Father, we pray that now in these moments you will speak to us from your word by your spirit. We cannot, we cannot do this work by ourselves. We cannot bless ourselves, but you can bless us. And so we call upon you to come and speak. And may those who have ears hear what you have to say to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're visiting with us, let me just say um, you're very, we're very glad to have you. And let me explain what we've been doing over this Christmas season. We've been looking at the, the four songs of Christmas from Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2. These are the original Christmas carols. Mary's song, Zachariah's song, this morning the angel's song, and now Simeon's song. And Simeon's song is um, simple and it's short, and therefore the sermon will be hopefully simple and... (laughs) But this song, this song is a song of a man who's fully satisfied by seeing and holding Jesus. Now, can you appreciate what went on in this man's heart as he held the baby Jesus in his arms? Totally, completely satisfied. And we should be glad that Simeon saw him and held him and sang to him because we've got the record and we've got the blessing that comes from that. Look how he's described there in verse 25. He's described as righteous. Not a phony, not a fake. Like many of the religious leaders of his day, he was real. He was a real man, a real man of God. He knew God's will and he did it. He's also described as devout. He took his religious duties seriously. He was very conscientious in his duties to God. And he served well. He delighted to serve God. He was a dependable kind of guy. Somebody you would like to know and work beside, wouldn't you? And he was also waiting, we're told. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Waiting. Yes, he was earthed in the sense that he was a servant. But he's also He was heavenly in his thinking because he was looking for the Savior of the world to come. And so he waited. And he waited. And he waited. And he waited for the one who would lift his people, lift the people of Israel from their grief and from their sin and from their disappointment. Because Israel at this particular time in their history was in a desperate state. Terrible state. I mean, politically, they were... In a mess, a foreign army, the Romans had taken control. They're they're under a cruel dictator, Herod, the butcher of Bethlehem, as he is also known. He was in charge. And religion, it was equally filled with mess, full of tradition and ritual and legalism. There wasn't much spirituality about the place at all. And on top of all of this, for 400 years... There was silence from God. 400 years of silence. Another word from God. No prophet came. And in the midst of this darkness and this despair and this disappointment, 
Some waited for the consolation of Israel. Some hoped for, some expected God to come and enter the darkness with light as he had promised to do through all those Old Testament prophets. He waited, like many others, for the consolation of Israel, the Messiah. And here's another thing, of course, he was spirit-filled. Verse 25, verse 26, verse 27 describes how the Spirit of God worked in this man's heart. He was close to God, and God was close to him. I really like Simeon, don't you? I really like to have known him. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. So yes, it was a low point in Israel's history. Yes, there was darkness all around, but there were some who were believing and waiting and serving and praying. If tonight you're someone who's weary in serving God, tired of the struggle to believe, take comfort from this virtually unknown man called Simeon who waited and waited and trusted and prayed. And in verse 26, as we read a few moments ago, he'd been made a promise a great promise. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Imagine being Simeon. Every day as he came to the temple, he would think to himself, I wonder, is it going to be today? And every time he saw a little baby coming forward to to meet him, for him to bless the child, he must have thought, I wonder, is, is is this the child? Is this the one? Is this the Messiah? Is this the promised one? Is this the consolation of Israel? And one day, Mary and Joseph bring the little baby Jesus to the temple. And immediately the Holy Spirit bore witness, this is the one. This is the Savior. And surely his heart Leapt for joy. We're not told that, but we can guess it. Can you imagine the excitement? Can you imagine the emotion? And so he bursts into song. As all these characters, or many of these characters in in the Luke's account of the birth of Jesus did. I am holding salvation in my arms. Verse 30, for my eyes have seen your salvation. He looked at the child. He looked to the heavens and said, I am holding the hope of the nations. I'm holding the Savior of the world. And so he sings. But before we get to verse 30, I'm getting a wee bit ahead of myself. Let's think of the song in the order it comes. Verse 29, first of all, sovereign Lord, he sings, as you have promised you now dismiss your servant in peace. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss 
your servant in peace. In other words, he basically says, I'm ready to go home. I'm ready to go home. I'm ready to die. I'm ready to depart and go to heaven. That's a big statement, isn't it? The school that I used to go to, we had assembly every day. At the end of it, the headmaster would say, You are dismissed. Now, just in case you think it's a posh school, it wasn't. He thought he was posh. Um, Wilson Gordon taught him, so it can't be that posh. You are dismissed, he would say. And off we went to class. Everyone is going to be dismissed at some stage. But will you be dismissed in peace? He says, you now dismiss your servant in peace. Are you in peace tonight? We thought about this morning, the Savior, the Prince of Peace. He's come to bring peace. We've got to live in faith and die in peace. That's the challenge, isn't it? Live in faith, die in peace. J.C. Ryle, the great old writer, says this. Simeon speaks like one for whom the grave has lost its terror and the world its charms. The grave has lost its terror, the world its charms. For us, the problem is, we're scared of the grave, we're scared of dying, we're, we're scared of being dismissed, and we love the world too much. Hence, we have problems singing a song like this. Simeon was ready to die, and willing to go home, and this is his song. Is it my song? You can dismiss me, Lord, and take me home. Not because he's old. Sometimes we're given the impression by preachers that as old Simeon, you know, maybe he was, but he didn't say this because he was old. He said this because he was satisfied. He met the Savior. He held the Savior in his arms. There could be nothing better than to go home at that stage. What's it Paul said? To me to live is Christ, to die is gain. He says later in, in that chapter, I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. Is Jesus Christ enough for us? Are you ready to depart in peace? Well, verse 30 tells us, I suppose, how we can depart in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation. That's what he says. My eyes have seen your salvation. He saw salvation. He held salvation. He experienced salvation. Now, obviously, we can't hold the baby Jesus in our arms, but we can see him in the Word and by the help of the Spirit. We can hold him in our hearts, as Ephesians 3 tells us, and we can experience him in our souls. We can be in him and united to him. 
having the fullness of his salvation. But who is he Savior for? Well, verse 31 and the beginning of 32, he's the Savior of all who will repent, which you have prepared in the sight of all people a light for revelation to the Gentiles. You see, the only way of salvation for all is through Jesus, not just for Israel, the Savior of the world, the light of the Gentiles, the Savior to all peoples, like the people of Romania. Many of us love that country and have served there, or Guatemala, or Poland, places that are close to our hearts. And there may be many other nations that are represented here tonight that you love. You love those areas. Well, Jesus has come to be a light to the nations, to the Gentiles, to all peoples. What did we say just a few weeks ago when we were in the book of Revelation? Today, in the continent of Africa, it was a huge continent, 17,000 people will come to know Jesus, roughly, going on past statistics, and the same tomorrow, and the next day, and then the next day, 17,000 people every day in China, 20,000 people every day. That's what we know of, probably many, many more in North India um, and in parts of the, the old USSR, the Soviet Union. Thousands of churches being planted. You see, Jesus is the Savior of the nations. Don't be depressed by the fact that in the Western world we have turned our back on him and think we can do without him. He's still the Savior of all the nations. And so we celebrate him all over the world tonight and this Christmas time. But he is... Salvation for the nations, but he's also salvation for God's people. A light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. He is Savior for God's people, past, present, and future, says Simeon. Back to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, through the likes of Moses and David, and through all the prophets like Isaiah and Micah, to us here tonight, our Savior. Our glorious Savior. Simeon delights in Jesus. His deepest longings, his heart's desire, are met in the one he holds in his arms. And that's how we should think of him tonight. We delight in him because we're satisfied in him. Because we're saved by him. There's nothing more glorious than him, our Savior, born to die. John MacArthur puts it like this. Those soft little hands, fashioned by the Holy Spirit in Mary's womb, were made so that nails might be driven through them. Those baby feet, pink and unable to walk, would one day walk up a dusty hill to be nailed to a cross. That sweet infant's head with sparkling eyes and eager mouth 
was formed so that someday man might force a crown of thorns onto it. That tender body, warm and soft, wrapped in swaddling clothes, would one day be ripped open by a spear. Jesus was born to die. And therefore, what we see tonight, what we must recognize in the Christmas story, is that Jesus is God's heart unveiled that we might know him. We can know God in the baby of Bethlehem. We can know God in the man of Calvary. We can know God in the Lord who reigns on the throne. We can know God in the one who will come to judge the living and the dead. Do you want to know God? Then look at Jesus Christ. That's all you've got to do. Here is your God. Laid in a manger. Here is your God. Carried into the temple that day. Here is your God. In the arms of Simeon. Here is your God. Loving you. Drawing you to himself. Sacrificing his life for you. And so Jesus is God's invitation. Come to me. And know me. Jesus is God's last great invitation. His final word to mankind. And everything he wants to say to you. Is found in him. So look to him. And listen to him. And experience him. As we conclude tonight, are you familiar with a bucket list? Those of us who get to senior years <laughs> like to think, these are certain things I want to do. I had thought about wanting to go to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, but maybe not after today. I do want to go, I do want to, go to Lourdes to see a test match, cricket match, you know. Maybe that's lost on many of you, but that's part of my bucket list. There's a number of other things. Do you know what was on Simeon's bucket list? I want to see. I want to meet. I want to hold the Savior. And God granted him his wish. John writes, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Maybe you're wondering here, maybe you're here tonight and, um, well, you're not normally in a place like this and, and you're saying, ah, it's lovely. But can he really do that? Can he make me a child of God? Really? Can he really do that? Yes, he can. And he proved it by dying and rising from the dead. He destroyed the power of death. He stripped away the fear of death. And so that we might indeed not fear death and not be lost in falling for the charms of this world. He is the ultimate satisfaction. He is the true contentment. He is the real joy. That's why he came, to be Savior. And 
If we miss that, if we get that wrong, we miss the whole point of Christmas and Christianity. May God help us just to understand. May the Spirit of God lead us into truth so that we might enjoy and experience our Savior. Let me pray for us.